Good morning. Thank you for joining us here at Vertical Church. We're excited that you've joined us for our next message in our I Know a Ghost series. I know a ghost and he sets me on fire. We'll catch you afterwards. People like to talk about who they know. Some say they know a celebrity. Some say they know a professional athlete. I guess they think that who they know makes them someone. I don't really know any celebrities. I don't really know anyone that's wealthy. My story's a little different. But it is the truth. Who you know does make you someone. You see, I know a ghost. Amen. The ghost is in this place today. Amen. How many of you, since we've begun the series, have had some new experiences where you have sensed the Holy Spirit talking to you, teaching you, or leading you in a fresh way? How many? All right. Amen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Good job. I am so excited for what he is teaching us and what he is doing here in our midst. We continue our series today with our message titled, I Know a Ghost Who Sets Me on Fire. Amen? Yeah? You ready for some of that? I am. So uh, throughout the scripture, God gives us physical pictures of his invisible glory. He gives us things that we can see here that help us understand something of who he is. Because he is beyond what our minds can perceive and understand. He is greater than that. So he gives us physical pictures. So for example, when uh, the Bible says that Jesus was baptized, that when he came up out of the water, it says that a dove descended from heaven like the Holy Spirit. It was a picture of the ghost in that moment The father speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The son is there and the ghost descends like a dove. Beautiful picture. The Holy Spirit, the ghost is like a dove. He brings peace. He comes from above. He is free to move in a realm that we don't move in. It's a picture. But the pictures that we see are always just a small taste of the reality. The reality is much bigger. The picture is just something that helps us grasp it a little bit. So another picture that we have in scripture of this ghost, the Holy Spirit, is a, is a picture of fire. He is symbolized by fire. Now fire is very different than a dove. Fire is consuming. Fire is aggressive. Fire moves. Fire is not just a flickering small candle on your mantle at home. Fire is aggressive and consumes and burns away. And this is one of the pictures that we have in scripture for the very heart and essence of our God. And it's important that we understand these pictures The Bible says that the heavens declare the glory of God. He has has created all that we see 
And his intention in creating it was to help us see pictures of himself. So you read in the book of Romans, it says God's eternal power and character cannot be seen. If you're taking notes, this is Romans 1.20. But from the beginning of creation, God has shown what these are like by all he has made. Hmm. He gives us physical pictures to understand a greater glory. And the physical picture is never as great as the reality. The reality is always so much bigger. So when he uses this picture and says that the ghost is like a fire, the essence of God himself is like a fire, you and I have in our minds and hearts images and pictures of what that looks like. We understand fire. But today, we are all seeking to understand not just fire, physical but something much, much greater about the essence and heart of God himself. Amen? So let's start with a passage of scripture from Hebrews, the New Testament, chapter 12, verse 29. Here, the writer gives us a pretty short statement about who God is and his essence. He says, for our God is a consuming fire. This is not a flickering candle. This is not one of those wood wick candles that are pretty cool that you can light in your room and it kind of makes this little crackling sound. Anybody heard one of those before? It's a pretty cool little candle you can buy and a great sense and it has this little crackling thing going on. So you feel like you're watching a real fire, but it's just a candle. It's just a flame. It's just a small individual flame. But this verse says something very, very different. Our God is a consuming fire. When he starts something, he finishes it. When he begins moving, he doesn't stop. He has action. He has passion. At the heart of who he is is this burning, zealous, holy, righteous judge. And he has a purpose. He has a plan to reveal his glory. And he's consumed with it. And he consumes others with it. You can't stop him because he is a consuming fire. If you try to stop him, he'll just show up in another way. If one generation tries to silence him... God will raise up a new generation who will declare his glory. If a generation or a nation even resists him, even though they once walked in his ways, God will raise up another nation to see his glory and declare his glory. This is what God does. You can't stop him. When Pharaoh tried to chase God's people and corner them at the edge of the sea, God came in and by the power of the ghost, parted that sea, and they walked on through dry land. You can't stop the consuming fire of God. When a wicked king wanted to silence Daniel and his message about the one true God, he tossed him into a den of hungry lions. But God caused the lions that could have devoured Daniel to have their mouths shut they lost their appetite. They lost their ability. They did not chew him up because God always keeps his promises and accomplishes what he sets out to do. You can't stop him. When a hard-hearted people rejected Jesus, arrested him, crucified him, put his body in a tomb, and thought after day one, see, and thought after day two, that's what you get, on day three, found out this is what God does. He resurrects what's been dead. He brings to life what had been crucified. And he finishes what he starts. You cannot stop this God. Amen? He is a consuming 
fire. What he begins, he completes. What is lost, he finds. What is dead, he makes alive. What has been buried, he resurrects. And what has been diseased, he heals. This is our God. He's sovereign. He's just. He's unstoppable. He is holy, righteous, glorious, and he is alive today and is in this place consuming fire. It's not just what he does. It's the essence of who he is in his heart. The New Testament comes along, and when the ghost is made manifest in a brand new way in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit is given. Jesus has returned to the right hand of the Father at this time. And when the ghost falls, when the ghost comes, and he moves into the room and into the believers in that day, something unique happens. Something miraculous happens. They all begin to speak in languages they had not known. They began to declare the glory of God. They began to do things they had not done before. They began to move in ways they had not moved before. They began to think in ways they had not thought before. And the writer in the book of Acts describes it this way. It was as though there were tongues of fire, there it is again, over each person. He described this moment of passion, freshness, aliveness, God moving, God changing, God, de God declaring his glory as fire once again, because this is the essence of our God. He is a consuming fire, and they begin to do things they had never done before. They began to be moved in ways they had not been moved before, and they began to walk in ways they had not walked before. And it all seems so new and so confusing to some, but it was the exact thing that had been taught by John the Baptist himself. Take a look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the baptizer who precedes Jesus says this, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance or change, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He's referring to Jesus, and look what he says. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and, here it is, fire. One of the indicators, one of the signs, one of the marks of how you'll know when the ghost is in the room is fire. You'll notice something different happening inside you because when the ghost shows up, he's the very essence of God and he brings what he is and that is a consuming fire. The spirit, the ghost, he's not just dwelling somewhere far away. He has come to live in those who believe in Jesus. He has come to take up permanent residence within us, and now our heart beats like his heart beats. He communicates to us what he has and does see. You see, the ghost is in you, and the ghost is with the Father. Are you staying with me this morning? 
We're going to give you some, some spiritual physics lessons this morning. Behind the scenes look at the mechanics and the way God has designed himself and how he relates to us. Stay with me. The ghost is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Ghost. And they love each other. They see each other. They glorify each other. They communicate with each other. And so when the ghost in me begins to talk to me, guess what he does? He glorifies the Son. He is glorifying what he sees and what he knows. He glorifies the Father. He speaks on behalf of the Father. He is moving in me. He is leading me. And he sets a fire, a flame in me. He causes me to have passion and flame and direction that I did not have before. He sets me in a new path, a new direction. And he calls us as his children to lean into that fire to lean into it, to listen to it, and to walk into it. This is what he leads us to, and this is where he is leading us. So when I pray, I listen for the ghost within me, and I follow his lead. When I'm walking in my daily life, I am looking and listening for the ghost because he's in me, and he's talking, and he's leading me. And if he encourages me to say a word of encouragement to someone... I do it. I don't resist it, deny it, walk away from it. I do what he calls me to do. When he says, wake up, it's 4 a.m. I want you to spend some time with me. We don't say, snooze button. We say, okay, I'm tired. But if you got something to say to me and you've put it in me, I'm up. If he calls me to stay up late, if he calls me to drive across town, If he calls me to talk to a person I don't normally talk to, if he encourages me to go and make something right with another person, if he encourages me to do what the Father wants me to do, which is forgive, serve, love, humble myself, and be obedient, I do that. I don't dismiss it because the ghost is at work within me. Amen? He does it with a fire. He does it with a passion. He does it so that we will listen to what he says, learn what he's saying. Hmm. It's the very thing that the Old Testament had even prophesied. In the book of Joel, he writes and says, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters, they shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also my servants, on them I will pour out my spirit In those days, these are those days. This is the time. This is the time that the ghost has been given to us as the church. And he is illuminating and igniting things within us that he calls us to walk in, that he calls us to accept and receive and know this fire within, a passion that ignites you, a fire that burns away sin that has been in your life, that burns away old patterns, that burns away what is meaningless and worthless, that burns those away and ignites a new path, and I walk in it. I do away with things that have been destructive in my life. I do away with old ways that I used to think and used to relate. 
I do away with old patterns of religion in my life, and I seek this fresh, vibrant, ignited, fresh work and walk with God himself in the power of the ghost. Amen? That's what you and I are called to. Something very vibrant, very alive, very cutting edge, where we stay right on the leading edge of what God is doing in my life. You know that he exists on more than just Sundays, right? He does. And that's the kind of vibrant life he calls us to. This is just a gathering to remind ourselves of the truth. This is a gathering in which we worship together. This is a gathering in which we sense his presence because where two or more are gathered in his name, he's promised he will be here and he is here. You sense it when you come into this place. You sense it in the worship. You sense it right now. He's here in a different way than when he is with you alone. But even in those moments, he's with you. And he's teaching, and he's leading, and he's giving you new impulses and desires and motives. And he calls us to walk in this fresh, white-hot vibrancy with him, obeying him up to the moment, not lagging behind, not creating any gaps, not leaving anything undone. But when he says move, I move. When he says obey, I obey. When he says speak, I speak. And when he says be quiet, You do that. When he says, husbands, I want you to love your wife at a new level. And here it is. Lay down your life for her because that's what the son has done and that's what the spirit's always known. And so the spirit will say that to you because that's what's confirmed in his word. Are you with me here? You've seen all that come together? And ladies, wives, when the spirit says to you, I want you to have an attitude of respect for your husband and admiration for your husband. I want you to I want you to encourage him, pray for him. And when he becomes a spiritual leader, you recognize that. You praise him for that. Because this is what the spirit puts in the heart of a wife. This is what he puts in her a passion to do. Because this is what the spirit has always known in seeing the son and the Father. Are you with me still? The Spirit is at work. He is alive. He calls us to this vibrant work. And here's what you and I have to be careful of, is that when that fire ignites, when the fire starts, and he's consuming and he's burning away who we were, and he's igniting this new path in our life, and he's showing you things, and he's calling you to things, and you say, but I've never done that before. He says, that's okay. That's exactly why I'm doing it. I don't lead you into things you've done before. I lead you into me where you haven't been before. So come on and trust me. Come on and walk with me. That's what he calls us to do. Walk in the consuming fire of our God. And don't do what the New Testament says don't do. And here's what it is. Do not quench the spirit. Hmm. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, in your walking, in your listening, in your obeying, make sure of this, that whatever you do, when the fire starts, when the igniting power comes alive within you, do not quench that fire. Do not extinguish it. Do not diminish it. 
Do not try to control it. So about five years ago, I discovered the wonderful art of smoking meat in my backyard (laughs) with a smoker. And that became very intriguing and interesting to me. So I tried it with this little smoker that looked like an R2-D2 figure, (laughs) and that was tough. My family was gracious and bought me a much larger smoker. And uh, we began to enjoy brisket, ribs, and the like. I've experimented with chicken. I'm not great at that. (laughs) But here's here's what smoking meat is all about. It's about getting the fire at the right temperature and maintaining that temperature. The phrase that those who smoke meat go by is low and slow. See? And I just heard a bunch of male voices right there. Come on, ladies. Come on. Slow. Yeah. That's right. That's, the, that's how you do it. Low and slow. You get the fire going, and then you get it calmed down. You get it around, you know, where it's maintaining a temperature about 200, 225 right in there. And you just cook that brisket. And you just cook it. And you go to bed. And you get back up and you cook it. And you go back to bed and you get back. And this, I mean, this thing was on 12 hours, 15 hours, 18 hours. If you want to do it right, you got to cook it low and slow. And you got to maintain the temperature. And here's the deal. When you get a smoker... It's got these little vents on the side. There's one on this end down where the the fire box is, and you can open it and you can close it because that allows the air in. There's another stack on the other end that's got a, a top on it where you can control how much air is going out. And so smoking meat is this game of fire or wood on the fire and then closing and opening this gate, closing and opening this little vent here and maintaining the control, the temperature, the heat, and you watch it on your dial right there. I'm telling you, it's a whole art form. It's, it's wonderful, right, Phil? Yes, sir. yes, it is. It's good. The whole thing about smoking meat is low and slow and control. That works great for smoking meat. But let me tell you this. It makes for a horrible way for walking with the Holy Ghost. You see, that's what we like to do. God, I want to take this low and slow. I'll do the control. I'll see how much comes in. I'll control how much goes out. I'll just control this whole thing. I want to keep it at a level I can maintain. I don't want to lose my dignity and all. I don't want to lose myself And all. Here's the deal. If you want to walk ghost, you want to know some ghost fire, you're going to have to change your thinking. It's not all about you controlling the ghost, it's all about the ghost controlling you. And that's a different way of thinking. It's not our responsibility to go low and slow and control because what control is is another word for quench. I'll limit it. I'll diminish it. I'll keep it in a range I can handle. And when Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians, he says, look here, I'm not going to add a lot of words to this sentence. It's going to be a very short sentence. Do not quench the ghost. That's it. Let me talk to you for just a moment about some ways that we let ourselves 
or choose ourselves to quench and control the ghost. Here's a few ways if you're making some notes. They're not going to be on screen, but you can write these down. When you let the fear of what others think be bigger than the fire of God within you, you're quenching the ghost. When you become more concerned about what someone else is going to think about you than what the ghost is stirring within you, you're quenching. You're afraid of what someone else is going to think about you so you don't act. That's quenching. That's controlling. That's deciding I will I will set the atmosphere. I will control how much goes in and how much goes out. Fear of man brings a snare, the Bible says. We've been through this in our last series. But when you let that fear be bigger than the fire, you're quenching the ghost. The second thing, when you dismiss, downplay, or deny what God is saying to you. When you get this impression, this leading, this voice inside you that calls you to the next level of faith, to trust God, to obey him, to put aside something you've been doing in your life, to love your wife in a greater degree, to love your husband in a greater degree, to sacrifice and serve for someone, to step up into some role of ministry, whatever it might be, when that moment happens and you in your mind dismiss it and say, that was weird. I wonder where that came from. It'll probably go away. You're right. When you quench it, it'll go away. When you dismiss it, deny it, God will keep speaking it, but you're the one who's dismissing it and denying it. And just like God will raise up another nation when one nation chooses to not follow, I'm sorry, but this is the truth. If he's putting a direction in your life, to start something, to walk in a path, and to follow him, and you say, I'm not going to do it. God will get done what he wants to get done, and if you won't do it, he'll raise someone else up to do it. You'll be the one that will miss out. I'll be the one that will miss out if I say, no, God, not doing it. If we dismiss or deny, we quench the spirit. If we resist change in our lives, I can say this one because I do this one. My personality lends itself to a path, consistency, habits. I like things being a certain way all the time. And so the ghost comes in, challenges me, takes me to new places, new ways of thinking that are different than what I would normally do. And so if I choose to resist change in my life, I'm resisting transformation in my life and I'm quenching the ghost in that moment. No, God, I don't want to change. I don't want to walk in this new path. I don't want to do that. I want everything else to change for my benefit. And God says, that's not what I've called you to. I've called you to change because the ghost is at work within you. If we, number four, neglect our calling, hmm, the Bible um, tells us a story about a young man named Timothy who was new into the ministry, and Paul was his mentor. And Paul said to him, my son in the faith, do not neglect the gift that is within you. If I, God, has start a passion in you, a calling within you, 
Don't neglect that. Don't put it off. Don't walk away from it. If you keep reading Paul's words to Timothy, instead he says, actually what you should be doing is fanning the flame. You should be providing more oxygen, more air into that fire to allow it to get bigger. Don't neglect the calling that God has put into your life. Whether it be a calling into serving somewhere or even just the calling to walk in righteousness, don't neglect that calling. Walk in it. Number five, a way that we quench the ghost in our life is to look to lesser things instead of the ghost. He is the one, the only one, who has been given to us so that we might have joy, peace, love in him. There are no, there should be no substitutes. As his children, our calling is to walk and let him be the one that fills us and produce those things in us. But there are a lot of alternatives out there today that people turn to. Ephesians 5, 19. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. There is a direct command. Do not look to things like wine, drugs, alcohol, to bring you to a place where you lose yourself, even for a temporary time, to get lost in that moment, that is not how that is to come into your life. If you want real transformation, peace, joy, love, and relief from your issues that you've got going on, do not turn to substitutes. That is insulting to the ghost. That's his role alone. It would be as insulting as if within a marriage, a wife were to say, I'm going to go look somewhere else for what I need in my own heart. And if she went out and chose that from another man, that would be wrong. Amen? She would be being unfaithful to the one who was designed to give her what he's supposed to give her. If you and I are looking to substitutes, we're being unfaithful to the ghost who alone is the one who gives us joy and peace and comfort. That is his role. Let him be the one who provides those. Don't grieve him. Don't quench his power in your life by saying, eh, you know, I'm not so sure you can do that like a bottle of can. Number six, another way that we suppress or quench the spirit is when we choose to suppress our own emotions, thoughts, desires, and actions. When we choose to control, suppress what he is doing in us. Sometimes the ghost will move you. He may even move you to tears. And it's a funny thing. I don't know what it is about tears that we fight them so aggressively. 
that we do everything we can to... <laughs> I mean, I do it. I know. I, I got it. My, my family laughs about a similar mannerism that I do every time that I'm trying to not cry. What is it? Yeah, I usually end up doing this. And they know what's going on in that moment. I'm trying to fight. I don't know why that happens. It's just something about just being human where we just don't want to show ourselves vulnerable before other people. I don't want to show myself weak. I don't want to show myself overflowing. I don't want to show myself too whatever, too sad, too happy, too sorrowful, too whatever. But it's not our responsibility to control the heat. It's our responsibility to let the heat control us. And if he moves you to tears, then let those things fly. Let them go. Let them out. Let them be seen. Let it be known. Some of the most powerful moments that have changed me have been when key people in my life, I've seen them break down and cry. It's a moment like that that forever changes you. I remember as a child, Seven, my dad lost his sister at a young age. My dad was a big man, and he was, he was kind of gruff and always strong. And that was the first time I had ever seen my dad cry. I still remember, we're, we're in their their bedroom in our house. My mom was sitting in the chair. She'd been talking on the phone. My dad was sitting on the floor in a very uncharacteristic position for him, leaning against the bed and his feet up like this. I'd never seen my dad even do anything like that. And when the word came that his sister had died, he just broke in that moment. I thought, I had never, ever seen this before. It changed the way I saw him. It would be some 12, 13 years later that I would see another picture of my dad that I had never seen before. It was the end of a church service. A hymn was being sung, and I'm standing on the front row, and I see movement out of the back behind me, and I look around, and here comes my dad down the center aisle. My dad hadn't been to church. I'd never heard my dad utter any spiritual words in my life. But at 18, he walked, my 18, he walked down the aisle and he said, I want to repent and bring my life back to Jesus Christ. Never had seen that before. And it forever changed the way I saw him. It changed me because he was willing to allow the ghost to change him and not keep it inside. Ephesians 5, if you keep on reading that chapter right there, it talks about... Um, being filled with the Spirit. And the very, mm, in the passage, the very next words are speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's the next part that speaks of not suppressing yourself, that speaks of letting what he is doing in, out. Let it out. Sing. Speak to yourselves, he said. If you cry, cry. 
If you're joyful, be joyful. If you need to celebrate, celebrate. Because the way we encourage one another is by not quenching the Spirit. Amen? I'm telling you, in this room right now, there are stories that you don't even know about. There are people who are in some desperate places to be encouraged and know that God is real here and able to change and transform them. But how will they know if we keep quenching the spirit within us? Ooh, that should not be our role. We are not the quenchers. The last one that I would say is one way that we quench the spirit is by delaying or not acting on something he has clearly told us to do. Where he puts something in your heart and mind that is very clear to you. And you say, and I have done this, God, let me pray about that. Really? Okay, well, I'll say it to you one more time. And he says it again. Okay, well, I'm not sure what obey actually means in that sentence. <laughs> That's the kind of game we play. We put it off, deny it, dismiss it, try to find some way around it. Let me figure it out. All of that is us trying to control and go low and slow. And he says, don't quench the ghost when he moves your role is to go and let him control you. So here's what Scripture says instead. Instead of quenching the ghost, there's a very simple command that Paul also writes. And he didn't, he didn't need a long, long sentence to even say this. He just says it. Be filled with the ghost. Be filled with him. That didn't take long. That shouldn't be unclear what that means, but in just, just in case it is, let me help with a few things. In other words, let him consume you. He's a fire that consumes. Let him burn it all up. Let him burn up into every room, every closet, every place you got. Let him come in and fill you. Don't just let him into one compartment. Don't let him into one space. Don't let him into one drawer. Let him into the whole house. Let him consume it all. Let him have it all. Let him burn away the past. Let him burn away what has held you back. Let him burn away the sin, the temptations. Let him burn and consume until what is left is the simple fire that burns for him within you. This fire becomes a fuel. It becomes our passion. One of the things that the that was known about the disciples in the book of Acts is it said that they were, they were disciples who were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Wherever they went, they're like, that must be some of them Jesus followers. That must be some of them ghost people. You can just tell by there's something different about them. There's just a passion inside them. It's not just because they wear a certain type of clothing, but man, they are different. They, they think different, act different. There's a passion in them that just that, that gets them up and gets them going and trial can't stop them. Heartaches can't turn them off. They just keep moving. They're passionate. The ghost, when we're filled with him, he comforts us as well. You go through an area where you're struggling, where you're suffering, 
The role of the ghost is to comfort. When you let him in, let him fill you, he comforts you in the midst of the struggle. If you're filled with the fire, if you're filled with the ghost, then he's teaching you. He's helping you. He's walking with you. You're going throughout your day and he's showing you things. He's talking to you. He's teaching you. He's comparing scripture that you've read with the circumstances that you're in. He's busy at that work all day long teaching you. And he gives you greater confidence. He gives you confidence along the way. And you don't have to wonder, am I a child of God or am I not a child of God? Did I ask Jesus in my heart when I was 12 or did I not ask Jesus in my heart when I was 12? I wonder if I've been to church enough. I wonder if I've done this enough. I wonder. No. The ghost comes in. Here's what the book of Romans says. The spirit or the ghost bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We come to a place of confidence in him. There's a fire inside that says, you can't tell me any different than that. I know who I belong to. You can say what you want, dismiss what you want, but I know my God. He knows me. His ghost is in me. Amen? We're able to be expressive in our love for God. We're able to be expressive in our love for others. So that Ephesians 5 passage I was telling you about where it says, be filled with the Spirit and not be drunk with wine. And it goes on and says, instead, um, uh, speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You know what else it says next? You know the very next thing it talks about? After it talks about being filled with the ghost, the very next thing that he talks about is marriage. It does. That is the passage where it says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Really? Mm-hmm. It's true. You like that conversation I'm having with you, but you're not talking, but I am. <laughs> That's what happens. That is the exact same passage where it says, wives, see that you submit, have an attitude of respect and honor for your husband. It's in the context of being filled with the ghost. And if you're struggling in being able to love your wife as Christ loved the church or love your husband in the way the church responds to Christ, you need to get filled with the ghost because that's what he does. It's exactly what he does. He fills us with the power to do that. And if you're trying to do it on your own, I already know what's happening. It's not working. You're frustrated. She's not changing. It was you who needed to change. Oh, <laughs> this is what needed to happen. Mm. But you don't get that until the ghost has got you. Until you stop trying to go low and slow on the deal and ready to go high heat with it. You also, when you're filled with the ghost, you'll start to have some evidence in your life. You'll start to have some results in your life. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Galatians describes the results. This is the effect. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, the results, the impact of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. Truett and I were talking this week, and Truett said, Hey, Dad, have you ever noticed that it doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit there? As though they are... Love is one fruit, joy is one fruit, peace is one fruit, self-control is one fruit. No, it just says the fruit, singular, of the Spirit, the singular evidence of the Spirit is that you will have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. We like to cut it all up and say, well, I mean, I'm feeling kind of loving this week. I'm just not feeling very much patience this week, though. 
I'm sorry, you don't get to cut it like you want it. The fruit, singular, the evidence is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All of that comes as a package. When you're filled with the Spirit, that's the evidence of the Spirit. And then when you're filled with the Spirit, you're going to find yourself in a new place of victory. Here's what the Scripture says. Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You won't walk where you've been walking. You'll find victory in your life over temptation and sin. So many times people get it backward and say, well, I'm trying to battle this sin in my life, and when I do, then I'll walk in the Spirit. Mm -mm. You missed it. You missed the point. Walk in the Spirit is first. Be filled with the Spirit is first. Then you will find your ability to overcome sin in your life. When you walk in it in its fullness, when you surrender to it in all that it is, then you'll find delight that's greater than that temptation. Then you'll find a passion that's bigger than where you used to walk. Then you'll find new habits in your life that are of more significance and more power and more results than those old habits ever were. But you have to come to the place of being filled first. All right. Y'all with me still so far? I've got one more place I want to go. Because it's been a journey for me as I've walked with Christ. As it always is for all of us. It's a process of learning. And I have and understand that at the point of salvation, I am made alive by the Holy Ghost. He comes to take up residence in me. He does. And so I have access. But this command is not just a one-time thing. It's a process where I am regularly filled, where I am emptying myself of what I was and being filled with who God has made me. I'm receiving the ghost fully to fill me in my life. And that's an ongoing process. You and I should look a bit more full of the Spirit today than we did a year ago. That's his goal. He's a consuming fire. He's not a, uh, a regressive fire. He's not a diminishing fire. He doesn't shrink away and become smaller and smaller until there's just one little bitty tiny little flame left. No, he starts it's one tiny little flame... And he becomes a consuming fire. He consumes us. That's his process. And so we move in this regular surrender and giving ourselves over to the filling within us. And so that our lives yield more fruit and more of his evidence in our lives. But if you go back to what John said... John the baptizer, the one who was known for helping people repent of their sin and come and be baptized, lowered into the water, submerged, covered over, overwhelmed by. He was talking about a singular act that helped them process what God was doing in their lives. Jesus would 
teach baptism. He would call his disciples to go, therefore, and baptize. A young lady came to me just this morning before the service and said, I was saved recently, and I want to be baptized. Praise God. I've got some others already on the list who said, I have asked Jesus into my heart. I have begun a walk with him. I want to be baptized. So let me ask you this. When did those people experience salvation? It was at the moment that they believed when grace was received by faith. In that moment, they were saved. Secure. Their eternity fixed. And they received the Spirit of God in that moment. Now, we will baptize here soon. And when that happens, will those being baptized then be saved? No, they are already saved. But this experience of baptism will develop confidence in them for their walk in him. They'll always remember that moment. We'll all celebrate with them. That's part of what baptism is. It's this very experiential moment where I am covered over, where I am overwhelmed by the water of death for who I was, and I burst through in life for who I am in him. Amen? It's an experience that follows my choice and my belief. So, watch what John said. He said this in Luke. It's interesting that this is Luke 3.16 because we all know John 3.16 so well. This is Luke 3.16. He says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. There it is. This is John who's talking about baptism. John knows baptism. He didn't have to be taught about it. He was called John the, the baptismer, right? He was the guy. You got a question about baptism? John. He's the guy. So, here he is saying, there's about to come one, and what he's going to do is lead you to a place of where you will experience something you have not experienced before. Those who believe, when do they receive the Spirit? At the moment of salvation. But there can be a moment that's different from salvation in which you realize what has been done for you and you willingly choose to submerge, submerse, and be overwhelmed by the ghost in your life. Where you willingly choose that and that moment forever changes you. Are you with me this morning? And in that moment, you might say, I didn't know what all the ghost was about until this series. You might say, I didn't realize his significance in my life. I didn't realize what it meant to be in him and him in me. I didn't know all of that. What I tell people who've just come to Christ, I say, when they ask those questions about knowing Jesus, I say, well, the next step you should take is being baptized in water. For those who'd say, I'm just learning about all this ghost stuff. I would say to you what John said. I would recommend to you that you accept a baptizing of the ghost into you and you into him. Where you allow yourself to be covered over, overwhelmed by his presence in your life. 
Because that is what you and I are called to, a place of being overwhelmed, a place of being surrendered to, a place of saying no longer about me, no longer about my emotions, my thoughts, my my appearance before others, my reputation. God, it's all about you. I need your ghost to lead me. So I surrender to the ghost to lead me. That is baptism in the ghost. It's an experience that comes. So when you read the book of Acts, it says that Jesus actually said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and then your son... Well, I'm sorry, I did that to you. Jesus would actually say, I'm going to send you the promise of the Holy Spirit, and then you'll be clothed from on high. You'll receive it, and then you'll do some things you've never done before. Jesus would say, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But there's an order. When the Holy Spirit comes, when you receive him, when you allow him to come in, then the power comes. Then you get more. Acts 4.31 says that there was a group of people in that moment who were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they spoke, they spoke the word of God with boldness. They didn't have that boldness before, but in this moment, they did. The apostle Paul himself When he was filled with the Spirit, the Bible says, then the scales fell from his eyes and he saw clearly. So what I would say to you today, maybe this is all new for you. I get it. Some of this is new for me. It's a new understanding of the power of the ghost in our lives. And it's not our responsibility to try to control it, deny it, dismiss it, but instead to allow him to control us. Not not just in some uncontrolled behavior, but in some very powerful demonstrations of obedience in the real areas of our lives. Amen? So, I would ask you, to consider today. Do you need to be filled with the ghost? Maybe it's a new thing for you and you need to say, God, I'm not sure I understood all this until now. And I want to be completely consumed with your ghost. Would you baptize me in who you are? I lay myself out to all that you are. I lay myself back into the fullness of your love. I lay myself back into your direction in my life. I lay myself back to not suppress any longer what I've held inside. Would you bow your heads with me? might be that today you're desperate for a filling. You're desperate for a new filling in your life. There's things going on that are heavier than what you can bear. Decisions awaiting you that are greater than what you can decide on. And you're desperate. 
it's a good place to be. Because until you get desperate, you'll never cry out to be filled. But maybe today, you're at that place of, I need to be filled. I've been resisting. I've been denying. I've been walking away. I need to be laid back, overwhelmed, filled, baptized, taken in by the ghost. I don't want it to be about me anymore. I'm tired of walking in my sin. I'm tired of walking in my selfishness. I'm tired of walking in my old ways. God, I need to be baptized, overwhelmed, swallowed up in you. And I come here today to do that. Father, today, I'm asking that your spirit would come and do just that. Overwhelm us, fill us, transform us, lead us, guide us, Break down our stubborn will of refusing. Break down our stubborn selfishness and sin. Break down things that have kept us in chains. Come in, Holy Spirit, and burn all of that away. Burn away the past. Burn away ourselves. Ignite refresh within us a new path, a new light, a new hope, a new joy, a new peace. Father, baptize us today in that. Swallow us up in that today. May we be a people consumed by your consuming fire. God, change us. Fill us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit. Would you stand with me this morning? Would you stand with me as we sing today? If you're receiving his ghost today, if you're here to worship him today as a way of saying, I'm receiving the ghost, would you just lift your hands up, expressing, not suppressing, receiving, taking in all that he has today. Let's worship him. Wow, what another powerful message. I'm so glad you all have joined us and that you're enjoying this series as much as we are. We're so excited about the work of the ghost in our lives and in our church. We hope that you are as well. Please subscribe to our link below. We'll see you back here next Sunday at 1030.